2: Good evening, everybody. Ron Geyer back with more In Time Insights, and thank you so much for tuning in. We're moving forward. We've been talking about judgment. I think we've had four lessons on judgment, and you know, God has led us to teach on topics that you won't hear your pastors talk about, and I don't mind. We need to fill in the gaps in our discipleship of the saints and We just got done with four weeks on judgment. Nobody talks about judgment. Judgment is unpopular. It's misunderstood. And yet it's a very important aspect of our Christian walk. It breeds accountability. But God has led us to teach on topics like that. And today we're going to start a series on suffering. It's important that we get all of this understood. You know, we're heading into a time now that's new for America where persecution and suffering, we've been protected almost from those by our government, and yet now it's our government that is bringing the persecution that will cause a lot of the suffering in the Christian life. To witness, for example, the FBI just going ahead after the people that are fighting in our school boards to remove the CRT, the critical race theory platform from our curriculums, and a lot of those people going in are Christians, and we're trying to deal with that and get us right back on the track of righteousness in our nation, and our school boards, and yet the FBI is singling them out, and they're hunting them down. I'm sure the information will be given over to the IRS. The IRS is being weaponized again against the church, and we just need to be aware of all this, not be surprised, think not. The fiery trial that you're undergoing, the testing that you're undergoing, that's part what's been written. We've been warned. Then in the last days, there would be perilous times. Men would love themselves. They would forsake God. We're seeing that now. We're responding to it. And so what I'm doing is my response to that is I'm going to train you. I'm going to teach you the word of God concerning judgment and today suffering. Let me give you a scripture. I've got a foundation scripture here. It's Philippians 129. Some of this stuff is going to shock you just like the judgment stuff did but that's okay. I don't mind. Philippians 129, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Christian suffering, just like Christians judging, gets very little play in the pulpit. They are subjects that don't bring in large crowds. They don't bring in big money. Quite the opposite, actually. Nobody wants to be told that Christianity includes suffering or that it requires constant self-analysis, self-critical analysis, and the judgment of others. The Bible doesn't ever promote Christianity as an easy life, yet false teachers, con men, they have presented the Christian life as easy without much self-sacrifice, and they have promoted the promised material rewards as entitlements of our faith. And millions, unfortunately, have fallen for that line of teaching. In an age of self-love and instant gratification, mankind feels we deserve the very best God has to offer. Well, yes, we do, but we are the ones, in our minds, and our human reasoning, we're the ones that decide what's the very best that God has to offer, and that's just not true. We carnalize that. We have erroneously been taught that because Jesus did it all on the cross. We just float around here and we reap the benefits of that. Paul tells us that suffering for Jesus is a given in the Christian life. Let's look at that scripture. We read Philippians 129, the Amplified Translation. For you have been granted the privilege for Christ's sake, not only to believe and confidently trust in him, but also you have been granted the privilege for Christ's sake to suffer. That's really intense. Nobody thinks it's a privilege to suffer. And yet that's what the Bible talks about. The CEB says it like this. God has generously granted you the privilege, not only of believing in Christ, but also suffering for Christ's sake. In God's kingdom, things aren't the same as in our so-called kingdom. We get things screwy. We think things away. When we don't understand stuff, we substitute our carnal reasoning for it. And rather than seek God and go deeper with God, we just take it for granted that, well, I understand this, and we adapt our own thinking to it. And invariably, it's wrong. It's earthly. It's sensual. It's devilish. I've spoken to you about that before. It's God's generosity that enables you to suffer for his sake. Once again, more evidence of the cowardice and the deception that's filling our American pulpits. That's because we, in our carnality, we don't understand God. We lie and we deceive to get crowds into our churches, when in reality, we miss out on knowing God as he wants us to know him. Uh, the George Barna, he's a Christian surveyist. He takes surveys, and he just came out with another one that talked about that 50% of the American pastors, if they could get another job, they would resign their positions as pastors. 50%. Well, I wish they would resign. If it's money that's holding you into your position, we don't need you there. Uh, We don't need any more teachers in there than we already have. And if it's money that's holding you there, you have not been called by God. You're a counterfeit. You're an imposter. Get out of the pulpit and let God put someone in there that'll go ahead and love the truth and share the truth with you and love you with the truth. So if we read this verse correctly, Philippians 129, we learned that suffering for Christ is a privilege. Now, how many people are going to go to church and their pastor is going to tell them that? Not a one. I can tell you not a one. We learn that suffering for Christ is a privilege. Let me read it again. God has generously granted you the privilege of also suffering for Christ's sake. I love it. I love it. Suffering is actually equated to the great privilege of believing in him. Let me read the whole scripture in the King James again. This is such an important point. Philippians 129, for unto you, me, I'm reading this, Paul's writing to the church, for unto you, it is given in Christ's behalf, not only of believing on him, but also in suffering for his name's sake. So it is a given. It is a given that a God is going to give you the gift of faith, which helps you, enables you to believe on him. But he's also going to give you the gift of suffering for his sake. Truth be told, in context, in the heart of this message, suffering here is presented as a gift, a gift similar in value to the gift of faith, which everyone wants. Yet he also gives us suffering, which no one wants. But both are gifts from God nonetheless. So man, once again, in his carnality, preaches all day on the gift of faith, we even create entire religions from that one gift, the word of faith, the uh, movement, all the time, we never mention even once the gift that goes with that scripture, which is of suffering for his sake, leaving Christ's church sadly bereft of courage, leaving his people sadly incomplete and totally at a loss in our ability to connect with Jesus on the plane of suffering. Remember, Paul, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. The American government's mandate to close our church has proved just how spiritually senseless we are here in the church in America. Outside of a few brave souls, John MacArthur, Rodney Howard Brown, Mario Murillo uh, locally, John Griner here in Houston for the most part, and a few others, we marched in lockstep to the beat of our fallen American government. So, in order to prevent such shameful acts by the church once again, let's learn both the privilege and the pain of suffering so that we might be better prepared for when the next assault comes. And let me give you a thus saith the Lord, there will be another assault. 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. If we will read our Bibles, we won't think it strange. The world may not understand. The world may think that things are weird. And yes, they are weird. But as a Christian, you're supposed to know why. But we are not supposed to. He that seeks the Lord understands all things. We understand exactly what is happening. I know what's going on. I'm not going to fall for the lies and the deception. I'm not going to fall for the constant narrative about what's wrong. I'm going to know the truth because I read my Bible. He that seeks the Lord understands all things. I don't care what your favorite preacher says. If his or her words are not conforming to what's been written, then let them remain in their ignorance and their deception. I'm moving on with God, and so too should you. By the way, how are we being tested? Remember, beloved, think it not strange the fiery trial which is to test you. Well, the expanded version of that scripture reads it like this. My friends, beloved, do not be surprised at the terrible trouble, the fiery ordeal which now comes to test you. Do not think that something strange is happening to you. The Passion says it like this. Beloved friends, if life gets extremely difficult with many tests, don't be bewildered as though something strange were overwhelming you. You don't think religion is deceiving us, guys? One of my former pastor's wives stopped me in the middle of a Bible lesson one Sunday to tell me not to use the word test. She found it too challenging, even false. Let's see. Things that keep churches from growing. Well, at the top of that list, I'm putting erroneous teaching from erroneous teachers. We must know what our Bibles say, Guy. Come on. Second Timothy 3.12, yes, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The voice says it like this. Anyone wishing to live a godly life in Jesus, the anointed, will be hunted down and persecuted. Did you catch that? The King James says, all that live godly in Christ Jesus suffer persecution. And yet the translators for The Voice, they actually said, you will be hunted down and persecuted. And don't think that's weird. That's what Paul did, right? He actually went and he got letters from the governor, letters of authority that allowed him to hunt down, to travel throughout the different provinces and find the Christians and persecute them. And it's already being done. The American justice system, specifically the FBI, is running after the parents that are fighting against the teachers in public schools about this uh, critical race theory. We've seen that. I think I mentioned that. And so they are being persecuted because they're standing up against this ungodly doctrine, which the schools are trying to train our children with. I know these truths here about suffering. I know they're foreign to us in America. Our heritage has been different than the rest of the world, but fret not. We're catching up to the heathen world where the church in America will no longer be protected by our government against persecution. You got to be prepared. Don't think you can faith your way out of this. That's a misappropriation of faith. Faith only works when it is founded or undergirded by the word. Faith outside of God's word is at best its hope. Perhaps it's even presumption, but at its worst, it's deception. And man, we've got enough of that deception in our churches already. Second Thessalonians, I'm going to read you uh, chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5, but let me read you verses 3 and 4, Second Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. We are bound to thank God always for you, my brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and your faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. I love this verse, and it's soon going to become true for us here in America. And it must be used as a rallying cry, a rallying point, because pressures will mount and challenges will come against us here in America. We're going to need to remember that our faith and our trust in God is growing and that our love for each other is growing also. Note, too, that it's our patience and our faith that will allow us to endure whatever comes. We must remember that. And then let me read that again to you for your patience and your faith in all your persecutions and tribulations. That's where patience and faith really is going to be needed when we are suffering persecutions and tribulations. It's where our faith and patience will be needed most. As I'm writing this now, I'm telling you guys, I'm prompting to tell you, I'm designed, I've got a heart from God that needs to explain to you that this is something that's currently, it may seem like it's over there at the church at Thessalonica. What's over there? Uh, The persecutions and the tribulations? Oh, it's over there. It's about somebody else's trials. He's not talking about us. Well, I'm sorry. It's not going to be like that forever. We need to make this our own, and the sooner we embrace it, the better. If we continue along the lines of Christian spiritual warfare like we've been doing in our prayer time, we will get the enemy's attention and there's going to be a price to pay and that's persecution, it's suffering and it's tribulation. Let's live our lives in the spiritual reality with the spiritual awareness of what we are doing. There was a event recently about the eight or nine children, the nine children that were killed at a concert. I forget the guy's name. I never knew who he was until I heard about it in the news that 50,000 people attended it and nine children died. That's demonic, okay? That is purely demonic. The guy had all sorts of spiritual, demonic, uh, what's the word, Uh, symbolism hanging around his neck, the entryway, you had to go through the head of a big demon, it's just amazing. And the churches did nothing about that ahead of time. Matter of fact, I have not heard a single church speak against it after or since then. But we have taken up prayer time for it. We have interceded. We are running Satan out of our city in the name of Jesus. The same thing happened during the time when they tried to get the men to go into the women's bathroom uh, eight or ten years ago. And the churches got together. They rallied around the word of God. They went downtown and they especially the black preachers in our community stood up against it and we defended we protected our children well we need to do the same thing today and so our prayer group on thursday nights we are fighting we are rebuking we are restraining the evil that we have allowed into our cities you know we claim we've got the largest church in america well how about the largest church in america stand up for righteousness for its sake we need to go ahead and start fighting against the enemy instead of trying to be nice to everybody Second Thessalonians, verse one, chapter five, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that we may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which we also suffer. There it is again, suffering. We're suffering for the kingdom of God, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. What is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God? Go back to verse four, uh, your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure the manifest token or the evidence of the righteous judgment of God is the suffering that we go through because he wants to count us worthy of the kingdom of God. And it's for that kingdom that we suffer when we suffer for the kingdom of God. That is a sign of our worthiness that we belong in the kingdom of God. But when we run from suffering and tribulation and persecution, it proves that we are not worthy. And yet here, Paul says it is a token of the righteous judgment of God that you are are counted worthy because of the tribulation that you suffer. What's the evidence of our worthiness? It's the persecution and the tribulations that we endure. Here's another verse that's going to rock our senses. God himself has judged us as worthy recipients of the kingdom as well as being worthy to suffer for that kingdom. The uh, New Living Translation says this, and God will use this persecution to show his justice to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. Suffering makes us worthy for the kingdom of God. We just read it. I don't believe I have ever heard anybody ever say that before. John MacArthur says it like this, and I love it. He's so practical. Quote, their perseverance and their faith provided solid proof. Whose perseverance? The Uh, saints at Thessalonica. Their perseverance and their faith provided solid proof that God was working within them, enabling them to behave in ways that were opposite to their own natural desires. Having a right attitude toward suffering is essential, and that required attitude is concern for the kingdom of God. They were not self-centered as we are, but they concentrated on God's kingdom. Their focus was not on personal comfort, fulfillment, and happiness. Their focus was on the glory of God and the fulfillment of his purposes. They were not moaning about the injustice of their persecutions. Rather, they were patiently enduring the sufferings that they did not deserve. This very attitude was positive proof that God's wise process of purging, purifying and perfecting us through suffering was working to make his beloved people worthy of the kingdom by being perfected. For believers, afflictions are to be expected as they live and develop Christian character in a satanic world. Suffering is not to be thought of as evidence that God had forsaken them, but evidence that he is with them, perfecting them. I love that. Let me read that again. Suffering, Christian suffering is not to be thought of as evidence that God has forsaken us, but evidence that he is with us, perfecting us. Back to MacArthur. So the Thessalonians demonstrated that their salvation... Determined by faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ was genuine because they, like Christ, were willing to suffer on account of God and his kingdom. They suffered unjustly as object of man's wrath against Christ and against his kingdom. In America, we focus on grace and faith and truth. Well, kind of truth. But we focus on grace and faith and truth and love as bedrocks of the gospel message. That's indisputable. Let me say it again. In America, the focus of the gospel message is grace, faith, and truth, and love. Yet, in other parts of the world, suffering is just as much a part of the gospel reality as those other characteristics of God's message that there is in America. It's there where these foreign Christians have the advantage over us. We think of our freedoms and our affluence. We thought for years that that gave us an advantage over these other Christians throughout the world, when in reality, it was a disadvantage because they have... In reality, they've been strengthened, they've been grown, and we've compromised, and we compromised the gospel thinking that our affluence gave us the advantage. In reality, their sufferings gave them the advantage. We must understand. The Bible teaches what the devil meant for evil, God will use for good. Well, Satan has his own version of that scripture. What God meant for good, Satan will use for evil, and it works. The blessings of God, which brought us prosperity, which brought us ease and comfort and abundance, that's actually gone the other way now, and Satan has used that to make us soft, to make us cowardly, to make us carnal, to cause us to compromise when the littlest bit of suffering comes our way. Church, you can't live like that. 1 Peter one. for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Chuck Swindoll, one of my early favorite preachers that helped build the foundation to my faith, writes it this way. Peter's point is clear. Christ didn't send us into the world as vacationers on a self-guided tour of a playground, but as soldiers on a tour of duty in battlefield. We are not called to kick back relax, take in the scenery, and wait for our guide to take us home. We're engaged in fierce conflict on foreign soil. We need to arm ourselves with spiritual armor so that we will be able to withstand the temptations of this world. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, one of my favorite scriptures, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. One of my favorite scriptures, Paul, here's the heart of Paul, that I may know him. I love what Paul says here. Prior in Thessalonians, he connected suffering to our worthiness and the evidence of that worthiness as belonging to God's kingdom, right? Yes, that's great in itself. Suffering revealed our worthiness to be worthy in the kingdom, to belong in the kingdom of God. Here, though, he takes it a giant leap forward. He says, I not only want to belong to God's kingdom, I want to know the king. I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to know the king. Paul knew he belonged to the kingdom. He knew the kingdom of heaven inside and out. Now he wants to understand that once we get into the kingdom of God, there's more. There's fellowship and there's intimacy required. Intimacy is encouraged. Intimacy is demanded. Intimacy is promised. It's sought for with the king of that kingdom. Which king? The only true eternal king of kings. The king who not only died for us, but who was raised to life again. Paul says, I want to know that king. I want to know the same power that raised him from the dead. I not only want to know the same power that would raise him from the dead, but I want to know why he suffered. Because it led to his death. I want to be like him. I want to be like him when he died. This world has nothing for me, says Paul. I want to be just like him when I die, but I want to be like him now while I'm still alive. Know in the Greek is gnosko. It usually speaks of the attaining of some type of personal experiential knowledge. In other words, ginosko is not just knowing on an intellectual level of the facts, but it is a personal experiential knowledge of someone or something. In this case, it's a personal knowledge of the person of Christ Jesus. A.W. Tozer writes it. I almost shrink from hearing the expression, go deeper in life, the deeper life in Christianity, because so many people want to talk about this as if it's a topic. But no one seems to want to know and love God for himself. God is the deeper life. Jesus Christ himself is the deeper life. And as I plunge on into the knowledge of the triune God, my heart moves on into the blessedness of his fellowship, writes Tozier, This means that there is less of me and more of God thus my spiritual life deepens and i am strengthened in the knowledge of his will i think this is what paul meant when he penned that great desire that i may know him he was expressing more than a desire for acquaintance he was yearning to be drawn into the full knowledge of fellowship with god which has been provided in god's plan of redemption this is all great great stuff but let's not miss that there were two conditions for that intimate relationship to be attained that Paul was looking for. Number one, a knowledge of the power was needed to get to know God. And number two, a fellowship with the suffering. So important, so important. You know, the scripture that we quote all the time in Second Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I would hear from heaven, I would forgive their sin, and I would heal their land. And yet the first part of that scripture is so awesome. If my people, us, who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face. God just didn't want you humbled. He just didn't want you praying. He wanted you to find him in your prayer. That's what Christianity is all about. It's about knowing God intimately. When you pray, don't leave until you find him. I'm Ron Guy. We'll see you next week. God bless.